You are such a loving congregation. I'll tell you, you're easy to love. I'll just put it that way. You're so encouraging, and as Janet and I have expressed at least to each other, uh, we just thoroughly, thoroughly uh, enjoy coming every year. There is a secular song that I have used to uh, be our theme for tonight's lesson. I know it's secular, but it says, Put a little love in your heart, and the world will be a better place for you and me. Just wait and see. Put a little love in your heart. People all over the world are looking for love. And I... I went on the Internet, and I thought this was interesting information. There are 32,507 books in print that have love in the title. 145,000 deal with the subject of love. 11,000 albums and CDs have love in the title. And Google will tell you that there are 121 million websites that deal with love. Now, if that isn't a a number that will get your attention, I don't know uh, what will. Now, we are familiar with the fact that 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is known as the love chapter. Verse 13 says that the greatest of these uh, is love. As I was determining what I was going to speak tonight, I was much in prayer about that, and I toyed with several things that would be possibilities, and I kept coming back to this. And I don't know if you believe that the Lord would help a person to make a decision like that or not, but I finally, after much prayer, I said, I want to preach the sermon, put a little love in your heart. And I I know that probably I'm not going to be telling you a lot of things that you don't already know. I'll probably challenge you with some things. But we're going to start by just looking at the characteristics of love. And uh, like I say, these are some of the things that you have, uh, have studied before. But you know, Peter would talk about that I, uh, putting us in remembrance of things. And I think that there are, there are times that we need to just be put in remembrance of things that we already know. And so we're going to look, first of all, and I won't spend a whole lot of time here, but we'll look, first of all, at some of the characteristics of love. I think that it's very important. We're going to look, just go down the line. If you want to uh, open your Bibles, I encourage you to do that. I will be using... The New American Standard as my basic running gear, although I have also leaned heavily upon the NIV because uh, they have some, some alternative readings that I think are very, very helpful. If you look now at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, it says, love is patient. This is the passive side of love. Love is patient. Uh, Phillips says, slow to lose patience. And I think at the very outset of our lesson tonight, we need to ask ourselves, am I characteristically, under normal conditions, a 
patient person or am I impatient? Am I considerate of other people and their feelings or am I inconsiderate? Already, my wife would tell you that Jimmy is preaching to Jimmy tonight also. Because I need to be reminded of these things. I am type A personality. I can get excitepated pretty fast. And so that is not always to my advantage. And I think that there are some others under the sound of my voice that would go, ditto. (laughs) You know, I need this. I need to look at that. So, love is patient. But I want you to look at something else. Love is kind. And this is the active side of love. Love is kind. We need to look at ourselves and ask, am I harsh? Am I unpleasant? Am I abrupt? Cruelly cold? Kindness looks for a way to be constructive. And again, we're just doing a little bit of... uh, of a checkup from the neck up. You've heard the statement all your life that you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar. Well, that we're not interested in catching flies, but you get the point. If you want to positively affect someone, you're going to have to be kind. Love, next, is not jealous or does not envy. Now, I have a parallel passage that I want us to look at, and that's James chapter 3. Uh, keep your hand, uh, the opening at 1 Corinthians 13. But James chapter 3, verses 14 through 16 says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. We're talking life at the very basic uh, premise of what we are doing. So it asks or it states that love is not jealous or is not envious. It wants to promote good will in every way. Next, love does not brag or is not arrogant. There are some people, all they can do, they've they've got I-itis. I mean, it's just you've got to talk about what I do and what... And don't you weary of someone that is just all the time trying to impress you with how great they are? And uh, so all I'm telling you is that love does not brag... It is not arrogant. It is humble. It is not boastful or proud. And uh, another parallel passage is Philippians 2 and verse 3. Philippians 2 and verse 3. That passage reads, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. So love is not arrogant. As we look at verse 5 now, 
Love does not act unbecomingly. But I like the NIV that just simply says love is not rude. That, that's very succinct. Uh, it has good manners. It is polite. It says thank you and please. Now, people, we need to be kind and considerate and, uh, and uh, uh, not rude even to our mates and people in our family. We, we need to be nice and that's what we're talking about when we talk about love. Be courteous, considerate, respectful. And I suggest to you that that will help any home, any church, any business. And uh, the Bible does talk about, behold how good and pleasant it is to dwell together in unity. And so that's not unbecoming. It is not self-seeking, or it does not seek its own. It's unselfish. It does not insist on my rights. It has a genuine interest in other people. And I'm going back to that Philippians chapter 2. And now I'm reading the next verse, verse 4. Philippians 2, verse 4. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. So love is others-oriented instead of selfishly thinking only of themselves. It means to will good to the other person. Now then, next, it is not easily angered or not provoked. Love is not provoked. It's not touchy, irritable, overly sensitive. It is good-tempered. It doesn't blaze up with passion and anger over the slightest little uh, uh, confrontation. And so... It does that, and then I like this, no record of wrongs does not keep, King James says, thinketh no evil. It holds no malice in its memory. It's ready to forgive a wrong. That's love, ready, wanting to forgive a wrong. And Now then we look at verse 6, and we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians thirteen six in its entirety. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness but rejoices with truth. Both of those are very, very important. Moffat says, Love is never glad when others go wrong, is glad or gladdened by goodness. It doesn't gloat when other people mess up. And I want to give you a, an Old Testament passage, and I, I've got it underlined in my Bible, and I would encourage you to do the same thing. Proverbs 24 Verse 17, Proverbs 24, 17, I'm going to read it. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be gladdened when he stumbles. Something that I encourage our new converts, and I, I work evangelism as much as I possibly can. Something that, and this is just a little tidbit, this is free. I want you to think about this, and maybe you'll, uh, you'll start doing it, and I'll tell you, you'll find it to be a blessing. You know, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. I would suggest you take a month that has 31 days, and you devote your Bible reading that month to reading a chapter a day, a corresponding the date with the chapter. So, uh, on the first day of that Month, you read chapter 1 of Proverbs and etc. Go all the way through. You will find that rich as Jersey cream. 
I'm telling you, people, do that with a, with a, something in line to, uh, in, in hand to, to be able to uh, remember some of those passages. That's what I did with this right here. Used to play cards with a woman, and she would quote that. She'd quote the King James of that, Rejoice not when your enemy falleth, etc. Because <laughs> uh, she was generally quoting that when she had uh, fallen. <laughs> Love does not rejoice even when the enemy falls. I've thought of that a lot. Now let's look at verse 7. Always bears all things. The NIV says always protects. It is completely trusting. It covers sin. 1 Peter 4 and verse 8. It makes allowances. It downplays offenses. And it is always trustworthy. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It is not a pessimist. It is not fickle. It is always faithful. It just keeps on keeping on. And that is a mark of love. And then verse 8 says, love never fails. It just keeps on keeping on. And then, of course, verse 13 that says, now abideth faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I suggest to you then, as we come to the end of looking at the characteristic, love excels, outdoes, outrivals, outranks, and surpasses everything. That's the characteristics of love. Now what I want us to do is to try to understand love better. I do not understand electricity, although uh, many years ago I was a journeyman electrician. As we were tripling the size of the building at Walnut and Campbell, I, uh, Raymond, uh, Patton and I pretty well um, wired that new building when we tripled the size of Walnut and Campbell. Then I built a house, and he and I wired that, and then my sister had a house built, and he and I wired that. But I still don't understand electricity. I know it, it goes from a transmitter to a receiver. Everything is working great when everything is great, but I'll tell you what. Uh, you let something um, short, and uh, boy, it can get bad very quickly. I remember I was hot wiring, and, and I thought I knew what I was doing. I was sitting on a concrete floor, not good, uh, wiring it hot, and I still don't know what happened. But it shorted, and I mean, I got a full 110 jolt, and that 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 jarred my slats. I guarantee. And I've never forgotten that. I don't, I don't wire anything hot anymore. But anyway, I don't understand electricity. However, that's the way love is. You can, you can get all of the characteristics and you still do not understand. I, to this day, I don't understand even the attraction between certain people for marriage. You try to explain that one. You, I, you can't. You can't. Uh, so, all I'm telling you is, we do not understand love, but it is a force that flows, 
And it has good qualities that attract. And it has other things that are not qualities that repel. Now, there are three kinds of love that I want us to look at. There are three kinds of love. There is, first of all, an if love. And here is a conditional love. It's on the condition that you do what I want you to do. And uh, if you will be what I want you to be, if you will satisfy my desire, I will love you. Uh, it's a very selfish type of love. And uh, this is something that is just not very, there's a, there's a thin line between that kind of love and hatred. In fact, uh, in, uh, in uh, Second Corinth, uh, Second Samuel chapter 13, I'm going to give you a biblical example. Uh, there was a man by the name of Absalom who was the son of David, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar, and uh, he thought he loved her. In fact, it says here that uh, uh, he loved her. And Ammon was so frustrated because of his sister that he made himself ill. She was a virgin. He couldn't do anything with her. So he had a friend who, by the name of Jonadab, you need to go look that one up because you need to not have any friends like Jonadab. Uh, the, the Scripture tells us here that he was a shrewd man. I'm in Second uh, Samuel 13, verse 3. He was a shrewd man. So he suggested that Absalom, uh, what he would do, and Absalom did what he suggested, and he violated his sister. And uh, I'm not going to go into those details, but I am going to drop down uh, to Second uh, Samuel uh, chapter 13, and uh, we're going to look at verse 15. Then Amnon hated her with a very great hatred, for the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up and go away. This is the if conditional kind of love. You wonder about how people can seemingly be in love and then there's abuse and the such. That's the reason, because it is that caliber of love. Then there is a because love. I love you because you are a certain way. I love you because uh, it helps my ego to have this, uh, this uh, uh, beautiful woman on my arm, etc. Uh, whatever. I love you because. It's motivated by worldly ambition. It is not a true love. It's called love, uh, and I suppose that it, it can have some of the earmarks, but it is not a true love. And then, lastly, there is an in spite of love. No if, no because. It is love based on our integrity. One of the best definitions I've ever heard was given by Gene Lundgren in Salina, Kansas, as he says, I want what's best for you, no matter what it costs me. And that, I believe, is a good definition of love. This is an in spite of love. I'm going to love you no matter what. Now, with all of that understood, no strings attached, 
we need to learn from Jesus. Of course, uh, John chapter 13, verse 15 says, Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. That was Jesus. And that's what he did. In Ephesians 5, and verse 25, he says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That is a in spite of love. And a last passage along this line, uh, the way I, sh- I needed to have been giving you those passages, I'm so sorry, there we go, is 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 reads, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus allowed himself to be vulnerable. When a person really and truly loves the way we're talking about, and they put love in their heart, and they, they want what is best for other people, they will allow themselves to be vulnerable. And you'll run the risk of being hurt. I'm telling you that if you love long enough, someone is going to hurt you, and you will take that hurt, and you will go with it. You will not build walls and barricade yourself in. Love involves feelings, but it prompts actions that are beyond the feelings. Now, with that understood, I want us now to deal with, this is the last major point, how to practice love. There was a group of women at a seminar on how to love or live in a loving relationship with their husbands. All these women were married. And the women were asked, how many of you love your husband? All the women raised their hands. And then they were asked, when was the last time you told your husband you loved him? Some women answered, today. Some said uh, they couldn't remember. Some said yesterday. The women were then told to take out their cell phones and uh, text. I love you, sweetheart, four words. I love you, sweetheart. Text that. After they have done that, the person in charge says, Now, I want you to exchange phones. And I want you to read the response. Good stuff. Here are some of the replies. Who is this? Hey, mother of my children, are you sick? And then one, this is legitimate, I love you too. Then there was one, what now, did you crash the car again? (laughs) Another one, I don't understand what you mean. (laughs) Uh, And then another one, what did you do now? Number seven, just simply had a question mark, an exclamation point, and another question mark. (laughs) That's all they put, what's going on? Another one says, don't beat around the bush. Tell me how much you need. Another one said, am I dreaming? And another one, if you don't tell me who this message is actually for, someone will die. (laughs) And then another one said, and this is not even funny, really. I thought you agreed we would not drink during the day. (laughs) And the last one. Your mother is coming to stay, isn't she? (laughs) Oh, I thought, oh boy, oh boy. 
There was one time a preacher, they were going to have a marriage enrichment seminar, and the preacher was introducing it to the congregation, and he was trying to get the people to want to come uh, to the marriage enrichment seminar, and he then, him and his wife had been married 20 years, and he admitted, he said, well, we, we need to work on our marriage too. And he, when he paused, there was a 94-year-old woman, his wife, uh, 93, and they'd been married 73 years. Here's what he said. When was the last time you made love to her? And uh, brought the house down. The congregation was thinking one thing, but this man was thinking something else. He's 94 years old. He, making love for him, was reassuring his wife. They knew this because they talked to him about it later. That she was the most marvelous blessing God ever brought into his life. To him it meant kindness, patience, courtesy, compassion, and humility. Ooh, that's good. That's good. When was the last time you made love to her? I think that we need to look at that. Proverbs 17, or rather 15, verse 17, says, Better is a dash of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Don McLaughlin is a very accomplished speaker for the Lord's Church. Uh, He has come uh, where I've preached and held about three gospel meetings. Just a dynamic uh, man. And he has written a book, Heaven in the Real World. And he tells of talking to a young man from South Africa. Now, Don, the last time I heard of him was in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, he talked to this man from South Africa who was pursuing his doctorate here in the States. But he had a fiance in South Africa. And Brother Don was talking to him about how hard that was, uh, to which uh, the, the woman, uh, or rather the man said uh, that dating and engagement rituals in his home country were very different from ours. And that required an explanation that Don wanted him to, uh, to give him. And it boiled down to two different words, result and statement. The divorce rate among his people, 1%. The divorce rate in the United States, 53%. The statement that the young man made, In America, you are committed to those you love. Among my people, you love those you are committed to. The difference in South Africa, you are committed no matter how you feel. Now we come to how can I love you so that you will feel Truly loved. Ephesians 5 and verse 2, the NIV says, Live a life of love. It's exactly what we're talking about tonight. Put a little love in your heart, and the world will be a better place for you and me. Just wait and see. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 14 says, let all that you do be done in love. It does not say do everything with love. Stay with me. But 
in love. The difference is that love is primary in everything we do. It's not that we do what we do and then pile love on top of it. It is that love is not an addendum, it's a way of life. It is a part of how we are even doing what we are doing. I want to tell you about a little girl was just learning to talk good. In her twos, I don't know exactly, her and her young mother <clears throat> were on a streetcar, and across the aisle sat a woman who was um, dirty, and uh, she just, the scowl on her face, she looked like she had been weaned on a sour pickle. And uh, she was, uh, her hair was unkept, uh, just really uh, rather repulsive. The little girl was very uh, uh, restless, and pretty soon she broke away from her mother, slipped down, and just took about the two steps over and put her hand on the leg of that old woman and said, I got a grandma at home. I love grandmas. And the woman said, get away. You're pretty and sweet. No. The little girl wouldn't go away. She came back and she said, I love dwemals. And with that touch, the woman's demeanor totally changed. And everybody on that streetcar saw the difference that a touch of love can make. And people, I'm telling you, everybody needs to have the touch of love. We need to have love with some skin on it. First Peter 4 and verse 8 says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, and get this, because love covers a multitude of sins. To love abundantly is to live abundantly. So my challenge to all of us is, put a little love in your heart, and the world will be a better place for you and me. Just wait and see. I'm going to offer the invitation now. And I ask you, do you have a spiritual need? I've tried to challenge us today along various lines. And it could be here at the, at the evening service that you would say, it's time. It's time for me to rededicate my life to the Lord. And I want to enter a new work week, a changed person. If you have any needs whatsoever, we would strongly encourage you to let that be known while together we stand and sing.